All right. Good morning. You may be seated. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. Glad you're here. We are, this is the part of the service where we open the Bible and we, we really just encounter God through his word. And so what we like to do is we study through books of the Bible. We are as a church in a New Testament letter. This is the letter of Galatians. And so if you have a Bible, either uh, you know, hard or on your phone, please open to Galatians chapter four. So we're already in chapter four. It's been, a, it's been really, really good. I'm excited about it. Um, now, if you were here last week, I'll just say we, I, I left off the sermon in the middle of our application. And I remember saying to everyone, uh, we're gonna pick it up here this Sunday. Uh, this is where we left off and I'll pick it up. And so I, I had like 15 minutes written, ready to go. Uh, and was just gonna get right into it. We were, we were talking about the lies that we believe and they're not true, so that's what a lie is. They're faulty foundations, but they're keeping us from a current fullness of the spirit of God. They're, they're, they're keeping us from really believing the gospel. So we were talking about how do we discern these lies? Remember that? Okay, good, you all do. Um, so it's Friday morning and in my, in my time where I just kind of sit with the Lord, I read uh, his word, uh, I just listen for him. I'll pray. I have a prayer list I pray through. I really sense at the very end, uh, I, I, I sensed him say, do that in two weeks. I want to heal deep places in people's souls where there are wounds or unbelief in regards to my tender love as their father. And I was like, Wow. Okay, let's do that, because that's what this text is about. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna be talking about God the Father's tender, adopting love. And uh, let me begin by saying a few things. Number one, I think most of us, uh, like maybe not intentionally, but deep down, we actually relate to God our Father the way we've related to our earthly Father. Uh, for some of us, we've had some healing in that, but for most, uh, that's just a part of how this works. Now. I say that because um, I, I don't want this sermon to be a sermon about like, you know, here's, here's your father wound and how bad your dad was. And um, because here's what I think. I think you can have a great dad and still feel like an orphan, still feel like you don't belong. You still feel like you're not acceptable, still feel unloved. You can still have a great dad and have sometimes in your, in your soul, whether lies or inward, he doesn't have time for me or he doesn't care about me or I'm not important or I feel like, you know, I wasn't a priority. And it's interesting, if you look at like the parable of the prodigal son, um, both sons, you know, the younger son who like leaves, grabs all the dad's money and just, you know, squanders it with partying and the older son, they both got some dad stuff, but their dad in at least the parable seems like a pretty good guy. Okay, I just, I point that out. Now I know, cause I'm your pastor and I talked and love you, that you also, there's some in here who actually have some wounds. Uh, some of you have performance wounds, like your dad uh, only really showed you affection when, you're, when you were nailing it, your, you know, your grades were up, you were good at a certain sport and you just felt like you had your dad. Um, but as soon as you kind of like were not performing to a certain degree, uh, he became kind of cold and, and like, come on, you can work hard. We're, we are this, so this is our last name, this, you know, you had that kind of upbringing. 
And that, that's gonna affect you, you got stuff there. Um, others of you, there's whole memories blocked because of abuse. Uh, some of you, it's emotional abuse. Others of you, physical abuse. Like you are spanked and, and you could even tell, like the whole house got anxious because when, when dad was angry, he actually physically abused you. Um, or there's, and this is really sad, sexual abuse. It's very evil and, and sad and it's never okay. Um, but we have that stuff. And when something traumatic happens, uh, children in particular, when you were a child, if that happened to you when you were younger, when you go through that, you almost feel like it's your fault. It's very common, even if you talk to a therapist or a psychologist. So it's, kids typically think that there must be something wrong with me. That's why dad left. Or there's something, you know, why would that person say that to me or hit me that way or touch me that way? I must have did something to make that person feel that they can treat me that way. And here's what you need to know. It's not true. It is not true. It's a lie. But if that... If that memory is unprocessed with Jesus and that stuff's still in the suitcase of your soul, uh, you will never hear God's voice and you'll never feel loved. And that's what Jesus wants to heal. So I really believe our heavenly father is present today and I believe he wants to heal some parts of your soul. So on Wednesday, I'm uh, in this passage and I'm, I'm, usually when I start a sermon, I'll read the passage, I'll get ready to write it out. And I will ask the Holy Spirit, would you show me what I need to learn? Like I, I need to first experience you in this passage before I'm gonna teach it. And so I'm, I'm in this passage and I read this, okay? So here's the passage I read, um, Galatians. And because we are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our what? Hearts. Good, that was pretty good. So now we can rightly speak of God as our dear father. Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons. And since we are his sons, everything he has, what's the word? Belongs, let's try that again. You, some of you were like distracted, let's go. Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons. And since we are his sons, everything he has belongs to us. As soon as I read that, I was like, uh-oh, I got stuff. I got stuff in the suitcase of my soul. I don't believe that. I don't feel that. And I knew something was off and I could tell there was a block. I knew I had some wounds and I could tell right away, it wasn't predominantly from my dad specifically, but I could tell there was father figures in my world that that, I, that there was a block. I, I, I knew I needed the Holy Spirit to take that passage and touch my specific wound. I didn't know what my wound was though, okay? I knew I had something because I couldn't believe that. That didn't touch me. It didn't do anything in my life. And I was like, whoa, something's off here. I'm actually not living as a son. I kind of live like an orphan. Like, I really don't believe that the way the father thinks about Jesus is actually how he thinks about me. So I'm like, oh, well, I know what to do. I told my church what to do. You gotta get along with God and you gotta bring him this stuff. So I shut my computer and I text my wife and here's our text, okay? She gave me permission. So you're, you know, you don't have to look at her. And 
So here's our text to her. And by the way, whenever I text my wife something really spiritual and out of the blue, she has no context for what I'm texting her. So she's like, what are you talking about? Okay. Uh, so here's my text to her. Uh, pray for me, going for a prayer walk to deal with some orphan, <laughs> false beliefs that need the spirit to heal. I don't, <laughs> here's what she says. I don't know what that means, but praying. That's a good wife. Okay. Love you. I'm praying. So, so here's what I write. I've just always felt a lie that I'm not doing something right. And that's why God's not blessing the church. It's a lot of pride, but also insecurity of me not living as a loved son. I'm still trying to earn my seat at his table when I already have it. But I know that truth. I just need an, an encounter with him to apply it. Okay, so I go out and, uh, you know, I, go, I, was, I was at Blue House. I'm in Deep Coast. I'm like, I'm going to go up Cory Rocks. I'm going up. And, uh, and here's what I do. I just start out. And I just say, okay, so Holy Spirit, there's clearly a wound. Uh, will you show me what's going on? Like, show me why I don't feel fully your love as, as a, I don't feel like a true son. So I just wait. And about a minute, I get this image in my mind of it's dark. It's me at God's table and Jesus is next to me. And I can tell that I'm adopted. So he's present. I have a seat at the table. And then all of a sudden he shows me that there's like, this is what I'm believing. This is the lie I'm believing. Because I'm asking him, what's going on? What's the block? Why am I not experiencing your love? And then in the image, I can see tables above me. And at the tables above me are more successful pastors, are, are more important people in my mind, are people that have had greater blessing, uh, you know, in that successful sense. And he showed me like, this is a false tear. You actually don't believe that there's only one table. And when, when he showed me that right away, just, you know, I apologized. I just said to God, like, that's not true. I'm actually not believing that I'm a loved son. I believe that you love me based on tears and that's the opposite of the gospel. And I just asked him to forgive me. Like I'm basing a lot of my, and so uh, I just asked him, will you show me more? And um, he did, he showed me really, really far back that there were some father figures in my life who um, when, when I was like, you know, first starting out in ministry, I, and I, and it was unintentionally by them, but I fed it. Um, they, they would, you know, talk about, well, this person has this gift. So that's why he's getting this blessing and this. And so I just felt like I needed to be up here to get the favor of God. And so whenever I felt like someone above me praised me for something, um, I didn't bring that to Jesus. I didn't realize I was doing this, but he showed me. What I would do is I would feast on it. I would feel okay, stronger in my identity. I got praised. You know, I'm, you know, this event went well. The sermon went good. I felt like uh, I was on a different table. And when the Lord showed me that, it grieved me. Um, because what I was doing was neglecting what he says of me. And I was actually loving the praise of man more than the Father's love. And, and what he showed me, he showed me one moment where like, I remember I got so much praise one day and we were at a pub and I remember going to the bathroom and I could feel fleshy. I actually had all this lust come on me. It was just weird. And I was like, shouldn't I be experiencing like peace and praise? 
But I loved, I was like feasting on the prayer and without even knowing I was doing it. So he's showing me this while I'm on this rock. And, and then I, and so I, I get all this, like, yeah, I've, I have feasted on this tear-based belief of love. And, and I'm not actually believing that I'm a son. I'm trying to earn my sonship by this other thing and it's pride. And, and I can see it the way he sees it. And he's really loving in this moment. And li- this is what I did. Okay, literally, uh, people are probably like jogging by me going, what is wrong with this guy? Um, I literally stopped, literally stopped. And I said this out loud, whoa, you're good. Like you just showed me all that stuff. I didn't even know it was there. And then I remember saying to him, okay, like, what do I do now? Like now that I got all this stuff and I can see my issues and why I'm not feeling loved as a son, what do I do? Immediately I hear, confess it. I'm like, that makes sense. So I start confessing it. I'm just like, Jesus, I'm really sorry. Like I, like, you know, I, I neglected what you said about me and I feasted on what other people said about me. Um, I love the glory that came from man, the fairest. I'm just confessing. I'm like confessing and confessing it. You know, I started feeling like you didn't care and then I would like blame you. And I was like, I was just like, I was just, I could, was just, it was all coming out, me and him. Uh, <clears throat> and then at the very end, I asked him to forgive me and to heal that. So then here's what I did. I stopped. It was all out. I, act, like, I was like, is there anything else? Nothing. I'm, it's empty. Suitcase, all the laundry's out in front of Jesus. And I'm confessing it. And so I put out my hands and I just said to him, I receive your love. There's not a tier of tables above me. And I got the image right back. And there was just one table and it was Jesus. And he was smiling at me with the father's love. And I, all of a sudden I just, I said, I receive that there's no tier tables above me and I'm loved by the father and I'm a son. And I just felt this faint chill come over my back and I could feel loved by him. So I share that, not because that happened, because it did, but I also share that to tell you, listen, I had no idea that that was happening in the suitcase of my soul until a symptom from this text highlighted itself to me. And when that happens, it's an invitation into his presence because listen, Jesus wanted to set me free. I was believing I'm not a son and there was a symptom. And so what I did is I brought that to him and he healed it. And this is the power of Jesus. So here's a big idea for us today. Paul is going to pull out from God's throne, real truth given to us in scripture. And what we need is we need him to take that truth and apply it to the wound you have. So you have a wound and this gospel needs to touch that wound. And after this sermon, you might need to find some time to get alone with the Holy Spirit, attend to him and do what I did. So that's why I tell you that. Um, But let me say this, if you don't feel loved by the Father, it's not that the Father isn't loving. And it's not that you're not good enough. The reason you don't feel loved by the Father is there's a block. There's a block, there's an unbelief, lies, Because here's the truth, the father who sent his spirit to bring us continually in his presence so that we have a seat at the table, he's actually in you and he wants to heal that place. So here's what I wanna do, okay? 
Um, we're gonna do two things before we pray and then get into the text. One of them you're gonna do, one of them I'm gonna do. Uh, so the first thing I'm gonna do is, is we believe this, but like we live in a spiritual realm. Okay, we all know this. If you're a Christian or maybe you're brand new, maybe you don't know this, the Bible says that there's a spiritual realm uh, and that there's a kingdom of God. There's two kingdoms. So we have the kingdom of Jesus and he's invading the kingdom of this earth. Um, and when, we, when he invades, there's backlash. Like when Jesus is invading, we, we get attacks, we get all this kind of thing. So I'm learning about spiritual warfare uh, a lot because we're gonna do a series soon. But uh, one of the things I'm learning about spiritual warfare is that there are blocking spirits, okay? That there are real evil spirits that uh, their primary purpose is to block. Uh, so if you're like, if you're, you, what you should do is go, show me that in the Bible, okay? That's what you should always feel that. Be like, show me. Okay, I'll show you. First, the most obvious one comes from Jesus. So there's the parable of the four uh, seeds, and the, and the soil represents the heart and the, the seed is the word of God. And the first thing that happens is a blocking spirit. The seed is a bird, it picks it up and leaves. Everyone knows the seed is demonic. I mean, the bird is demonic. The seed is the word of God, the bird blocks it. It doesn't come into your soul. God wants to do something in the suitcase. Blocking spirit takes it, okay? Um, the other place is my best, you know, God, like I asked Jesus, where is this in the Bible? So he sh the other one was, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds. That's a blocking action. Okay, so uh, before I pray, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna command in Jesus' name, all blocking spirits that are present in this building or present with you, I'm gonna command them to be mute, okay? And then I'm gonna command them, uh, if they have no grounds, uh, to leave. So I'm gonna do that. Um, because the reason why you've never been able to go through some places in your soul and it feels like death and you actually hear thoughts about you and they're condemning is because you have a blocking spirit. So you have a blocking spirit that needs to go. So I'm gonna command all the blocking spirits to leave. And then I want to give you a, a minute of silence. And what you're gonna do is you're going to ask Jesus um, to come in and pour out the Father's love to those places of hurt, those places the spirits have been blocking. So you're just gonna say, after I, after I pray, uh, Jesus, I invite you to, to show me the Father's love in the, in the places I've been hurt, okay? You good? Good, all right. So I'll pray first, and then I'll give you a minute of silence for probably 30 seconds, and then we'll get into it. So I'll start. So Jesus, I thank you that you're here. I really do. I, I love your presence. And I just love that you are present with us. And Father, I just, I thank you for the leading of your spirit. Um, and I thank you that you're present in this text. You're present in this room. And you're present with us. And so Holy Spirit, we know we can do nothing apart from you. Some of us are, uh, have really shut off that area of our life. And, and, or some of us have just said, you know, I did counseling and we've kind of resolved it's not an issue, but only you know. And so I ask Holy Spirit that you'd reveal stuff today during the message, during the word, uh, that, that you want to do a healing work. You want to set people free. And I ask in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would just come now and, and just be in control 
And I ask that the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit, you would just fill me with the spiritual gifts you've given me. I pray there'd be great power that comes from this message and it would be you. And so Holy Spirit, with you in control and Jesus, you present, I just want to command in the name of Jesus, Jesus, you'll do this. But in your name, with the authority you've given me as the pastor of this church, I command all blocking spirits right now. You need to listen to my voice and you need to uh, be mute in Jesus' name. You cannot lie. You cannot hold any anger. Uh, you cannot hold any bitterness. You cannot hold any pain, any sexual pain, any frustration. You have to be completely uh, mute in Jesus' name. And if you have no grounds, I command you to go where Jesus sends you now. And so, Father, we just thank you that you're here. And I pray as we go now to pray, you would hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So Galatians 3, we're going to look at the, we're going to read the last verse. Let me catch you up with the context because we're doing this every week. Paul, he planted these churches in Galatia. They were amazing. The spirit filled them. Jesus saved them. Uh, it's, an, it's an incredible ministry. Uh, they're growing in Christ. They're using spiritual gifts. And all of a sudden some false teachers come into the church and they came from Judaism, which is Old Testament, Israel. Uh, God has done some amazing things to fulfill stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. But they come into these churches and they go, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you can get Jesus, you can be forgiven. But if you really want to have acceptability with God and you want to grow in your completeness, surely you got to go back to the book he wrote and you got to do all the rules and you got to obey the Torah and you have to do all these works for acceptability. And so they started believing this stuff and Paul gets wind of it. He's like, no, that's not the gospel, a gospel at all. He's like, if anything, the Torah that you guys are all pumped about didn't even save you back then. You were always saved. This is what he said last week. You were always saved in every time that God's ever existed on planet earth by faith in his promises. He made a promise to Abraham. And then that promise is that through his seed would come the Messiah. The law came into place to guide you, guard you, love you, and show you that you needed a savior. The sacrifices pointed to the blood you needed to save you. When Jesus came, how you got acceptable with God was through Christ, his death and resurrection. And now you don't need the law because you now get the spirit of Jesus, which is the presence of God's love and guiding grace in you, all the power, all the thing you need is the Holy Spirit in you. Live by the Spirit, not by the, so he's just patched, this is where we've been, okay? If you're new, you can go back and listen to some of all of that progression built. But today, he's going to just bring in so much power about who we are. And this is massively the key, okay? So let me show you uh, how he does that. We'll read the text, so at least you can come with me uh, you can join my passion because you haven't read it yet. Okay, here we go. And if you are Christ's, that's identity, that's ownership. Jesus saves you, you're his. Then you're an offspring of Abraham. Watch this, heirs, it's an important word. An heir, right? You own it all. Heirs according to the promise. Now here's our text. That was last week's text, this our week. I mean that the heir as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of, all, of everything, the heir. 
verse two, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So now he's gonna apply this. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Verse four, but when the fullness of time had come, that, that, that date set by the father had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born through Mary, real human being, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who, who know they needed a savior under the law because they didn't obey it so that we might receive, not earn, not attain, not earn. We might receive adoption, real adoption, family status, family access as sons, and because you are sons, this is so clear, because you are, this is who you are, God has sent the spirit of his son into where? Our hearts, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That is incredible. So let me explain this, let me explain it. So he begins by saying children, whether they are an heir, so think about this with me. If you're an heir and you're a child, you have the whole kingdom. So he's saying, you got the kingdom promises. He's speaking about the Jews. So the Jews were the people that God originally elected, saved, brought out of you know, Egypt, all that stuff. They have the promises. So watch what he says, whether you are, an heir, so you have the promises, or a slave. He's speaking about the Gentiles. That was last week. So whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you are an heir child or a slave child, a five-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old, both experience the same realities. Both would be raised by managers, you know, nannies or servants until they get the kingdom. So, so let me say it this way. Whether you are an heir or a slave, an eight-year-old still has to be told what to do. An eight-year-old still has to be under authority. Okay, now, really important, and, and we'll hit this more next week, but when you think slave, in the first century, it wasn't American history slave, okay? It, it was more like, uh, you know, think Downton Abbey, okay? So everyone think Downton Abbey. If you've never seen it, this is not gonna work for you, but, but in Down Abbey, there's the servants downstairs who are all free, uh, but they, they are servants, slaves. And then there's the Crawleys, right? The family who owns, the, owns Downton Abbey. Um, and now, if a, if a servant had a baby and the mother of the home had a baby, watch this. Both would be in the same nursery. Both would be under the same nanny authority. Both would go for the same walks. Both would be under that authority. Are you with me? Okay. Great image, next. So let me read this passage again and you'll go, oh, it makes a lot more sense. And if you, okay, I mean that an heir, as long as he's a child is no different from a slave. Though he's the owner of everything, but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Now, here's where he applies it. In the same way, we also slave or heir, when we were children in that time before the father said it, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So let me explain this. So before Jesus, we were under the law, we were still heirs. 
heirs of the promise, but now that we have him, we, we, we inherit it all. So until he came, until Jesus died and rose, both Jews and Gentiles were born in need of rescue. You're both enslaved. And when Jesus came, you're free. And now you're children. Now watch what he says. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, born under the same condition, right? Born as a human being who, who obeyed the law for us perfectly. He's a perfect substitute. And then on the cross, he died to pay its penalty for all the sins we couldn't and in our obedience. And he did this, why? Why did he do this? To redeem, to get us out, to set you free, to redeem those who are under the law. Now we've talked a lot about that in the coming weeks. I wanna focus on today, why? Why did he do that? So that we might receive Family status, true adoption as sons, the very spirit that Jesus has comes into you as adopted children. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. Okay, John Stott, notice he says this, that God's purpose was both to redeem and to adopt, not just to rescue from slavery, but to make slaves into sons. When you're a slave or even a servant like Down Abbey, the basis of your relationship is fear-based. Meaning like when you're an orphan or a slave, or you know, I'm gonna use these words interchangeably, um, it's, you're often duty bound, right? You're full of anxiety, you gotta get things right. You have someone commanding you, um, all this pressure to be perfect. Uh, but, but if you're an heir and you're adopted, you kind of go like, I'm going to be a prince or a princess. Like, I, you know, I'll get in trouble, but it won't be the same. You'll be a little freer. And, and you, you'll, you'll know that you have the pleasure of the king. So he's saying when Jesus came, he redeemed us. And he redeemed us so that we could be adopted by the father. So let me say it this way. If you're not currently feeling his joy and his delight in you, it's an indication, not that something's wrong with you, but that you've got some lies functioning about who you are, more importantly, whose you are. And here's what you need to hear from me. We have to fight to receive this one. This is the most important, I believe, sermon I will preach in this book. We have to fight for this one. This is one of adoption of whose we are, identity and power. And here's why we need to fight. According to scriptures like Revelation, 1 John, Ephesians, the greatest uh, tactic our enemy does in our lives is on this front. The enemy knows if he can dismantle and discourage and put, his, put us in disarray regarding our identity in Christ, we are, we, are, we are gonna be powerless when we have all the power in the universe. So here's, here's why he does this, okay? Just so you know, the enemy knows he can't win. He knows Colossians 2 more than we do. That Jesus at the cross, he disarmed the rulers and principalities. He's lost. The war is over for him, but he hates you. And he hates you because you were made in the image of God. God redeemed you, not them. And, and he hates God's love. He twists everything that God is. And he wants to just destroy your identity, okay? 
Now, why does he wanna do that? Is it, yes, he hates God, that's all true, but the bigger reason he wants to do that is as family members, we actually carry infinitely more power in us as adopted men and women of God. We carry more power as adopted children uh, than the entire satanic kingdom combined. The Holy Spirit in you is more powerful than all the demonic kingdom combined. When you realize that and you realize you can access all that Jesus can access, you will become a huge front for the enemy and he will lose every time. You will have so much power in your life. Um, let me say it this way. We are children of the king of the universe, okay? You need to hear this. In the spiritual realm, you are actually uh, bigger than what C.S. Lewis paints in, this, in the Chronicles of Narnia. So in the Chronicles of Narnia, we are called princes and princesses of the king. Just so you know, in this room, in ultimate reality, that is how the spiritual realm sees you. You are really fully adopted, loved, and have the spirit of God in you, okay? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, you have all the rights and the privileges of your famous father. The spiritual realm knows that. So, so let me read a quote. I appreciate the way Chuck Kraft put this. He says this, back when genuine kings and queens ruled a country, their rule was absolute. Princes and princesses had authority as well. And all the subjects of the kingdom had to yield to their authority. In the spiritual realm, we carry the same authority as God's princes and princesses. When we understand our identity as royalty and use the power of Jesus' name appropriately with love, the spiritual realm has to obey. We have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly world. You have that. If only we could grasp how much God wants to appropriate the authority and power that rightly belongs to us based on our position in Christ, the satanic kingdom trembles to think what that would mean. The position God has given us is awesome. We are in such an elevated place that the angels watch us curiously and serve us. At some point, we will even judge them. Have you ever, th have you ever came to that verse and go like, how does that work? If you realize that you are a literal prince or princess of the king of heaven, that makes sense now. God did not esteem the angels enough to redeem the ones who followed Satan. He redeemed only us. What grace and love. What a privilege is ours to belong to God's families. We must never forget who we are, whether we feel like that is who we are or not. Okay, another commentating on this said, if you believed the things God holds in his heart for you, it would rock your world. If you believed the things God holds in his heart for you, it would rock your world. You guys, every part of the armor of God is identity. It's, it's truth, it's salvation, it's who you are. It's, the enemy knows when you begin to realize who you are, whose you are and who's in you, you're gonna be unstoppable. That's why he does everything he can to dismantle and disarm your identity. I mean, I want you to think about this. Like you are a co-heir. Like, like show of hands, that's in the text. It is, 
You can read it again if you want, but show hands. Everyone, hands up. You're an heir. It says you're an heir of Christ. So let's talk about this. This is crazy. What this means, if you're an heir, it means that you possess, all that Jesus possesses is available to you. This means that everything that belongs to Jesus, because you're a co-heir, co-equal, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Now, here's where this needs to hit your heart. The things that the Father thinks about Jesus are the things he thinks about you. Romans 8 says it this way, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I'm convinced we, can't, we need this more than anything else. Uh, so I was meeting with a pastor, a new guy to the North Shore. He took over Westland Baptist Church. Great guy, I actually knew him from Willingdon days, a guy named Sam Chua, such a solid Bible teacher. Like, I'm just so thankful. So I was meeting with him and he said something to me. I didn't even talk about spiritual warfare with him he, yet. He said this to me and I want you to hear it. He said, James, I've been a pastor in Burnaby and in Vancouver. He's like, I don't know if this is your experience, but there's something so much darker on the North Shore. Like, he's like, there is a lot of darkness and demonic presence. I'm like, yes, can I tell you some stuff? He's like, sure. So you just gotta hear that. If you're on the North Shore and God's using the kingdom to break strongholds and, and bring his life, and his love and his presence in, you're going to experience opposition. And the only way that you will have power isn't like how much verses you've memorized, although that's helpful, it will be, do you know who you are? And the only way you'll know who you are is if you actually spend time in his presence and applying what he says about you. You have no power until you know whose you are. So back to Romans 8, it says this, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. How many of you have seen a car accident? You've seen one? How many of you actually had to, t had, had to testify uh, like what you saw, like you were a witness in a car accident, anyone? Okay, so we were driving by the other day and we saw a big car accident on you know, Cotton Road and we could see these witnesses sharing what did they see and what did they hear? Okay, back to the verse. Here, here's, here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit has actually spent eternity with the Father. So the Holy Spirit has actually heard what the Father thinks about you. The Holy Spirit has spent eternity hearing and feeling what the Father feels about you. Actually, the Holy Spirit was, was present with the Father in the adopting decision for you. The Holy Spirit knows what the Father says about you. And here's what he does. He comes to you, where? Where does it say? Where does he come? In your spirit. And he says to your spirit what he heard the father think about you, what the father said about you. And he goes, this is what the father thinks about you. You are his child. It's amazing. So my question is, are you living as a son and daughter of the king of heaven? Or are you more living as an orphan? Orphan lives very different. 
They live different lives. They think different. So I'm gonna show you a graph and you're actually gonna do this in your community group. So if, you have, if you're not in a community group, you can join one, you go online. You're gonna do this in your community group, but I'm just gonna read the left first and then the right. So don't, don't look at the right. Um, so these are symptoms that you actually are functionally not really believing that you're a son or a daughter of the king. So if you, if you have an orphan spirit, which look at me, is a faulty foundation. It's not true. This is what you, your life will be like. So if you're an orphan and your life is more characterized by orphan, uh, you'll lack any vitality or intimacy with God. You won't feel intimate with him. You'll actually be riddled with anxiety if you're an orphan. You'll be always worried about money, friends, grades. You'll actually feel like no one cares about you. Um, you always have this pressure to look good, whatever that looks like for you. Successful, an orphan doesn't really have a sense of who they are. You feel guilty and condemned. You have to always have to fix problems. You're not really teachable. Uh, you need to be right if you're an orphan. Okay, next, next slide. Uh, if, if you're living in the lie that you're an orphan, you're usually really strong-willed. Uh, you have these ideas and agendas and you, it, you actually are really controlling. If people have told you you're controlling, you usually have an orphan spirit. So uh, you tear others down in your mind. You might be nice on the outside, but deep down you're always tearing down. It's because you don't know you're loved by the Father. Um, you need to control situations. You always look for satisfaction in two things, positions and possessions. You find too much joy in who people think you are and what you have. You're an orphan and you're not believing and, and you gotta stop that, that has to change. So here's what a son or daughter feels. Okay, go back. You actually feel really freed from worry because you know God loves you. Uh, if, if you're really operating in the truth that you're a son of God, you're not afraid of him. You, you really feel forgiven. Like you, you're actually quick to confess stuff because you go, I know I'm forgiven. I need to get this out. I wanna be in the light. If you're, if you're a son or daughter, you know you're welcomed into the table. You know your dad won't hit you. Your dad won't push you away. He'll give you a hug. You're, you're free from making a name for yourself. You're super teachable. You're like, tell me more. Uh, you take risks, even to fail. Okay, next slide. If you're a son or daughter, uh, you're able to see God's goodness in really hard times. You're able to freely confess your faults to others. You don't always have to be right. Uh, you're actually, you wanna be, you wanna be, you know. Okay, you'll do this more in your community, but let's keep going. So here's what I'm saying. This is so important that we can't move on until we have sat with God on this one because the implications of the kingdom are all resting here. They do. I feel like I wanna preach this sermon every week till we're there. Um, but let me say this right now. The father is here. Okay, so he's really here. If you've been living like an orphan, all you need to do, this is the first step. If you lean more towards the orphan, all you need to do is you need to tell him that. If you've never told him that, you need to do that. So you need to say to him, uh, I've been living like an orphan and, I, and that's unbelief and it's not true. Some of you have had the faith of a slave and not of a son. And Jesus wants to heal that place. And so I'm gonna invite you to a, a, just a moment of prayer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead you into it. But I want you to put your hands out like this. And I'm, the prayer you're gonna pray is, is this. Uh, Jesus, I don't need to do anything to secure 
your love. Or you can say, Father, I don't need to do anything to secure your love. And then you're going to say this out loud, okay? You're going to repeat this out loud. I'll lead you in a second. You're going to say out loud, in Jesus' name. Some of you are going to feel a lot freer in this, in this moment. So I'm going to say it. You repeat after me. So, Father, I don't need to do anything to secure your love. In Jesus' name, I receive it. I'm no longer a slave to, to, be, to need to be perfect. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't let a week go by as an orphan. It's not true. So let me say this. You can't be passive on this stuff. You can't be passive on this stuff. Like you can't come to church today and be like, oh, good sermon and not resolve with the Spirit's help to embrace your family. Like you're loved. Like if you need to take a day off work, do it. It's the most important day you could ever take off. Pick a day and say, I'm gonna be sick that day because I'm going, I'm gonna go with Jesus and I'm gonna figure this out this week. What if you did that? What if you said, I know I don't feel loved by the Father and I know he loves me, so what's, what's wrong? He loved, he loved, just, you know, he loves telling you stuff. So I'm gonna invite the band up, but um, I feel like there's a few people that I have a word for that's more specific. And so I'm just gonna share this with you. And if this is you, just know he really loves you. Like he's, he sees and he's present and he loves you, okay? So, um, so Jesus, just be with us now. I pray for your protection and your ears to hear in Jesus' name. I believe that there are some of us who have been abused by our fathers and we've never spent time with Jesus about any of it. We, we maybe have, some of us have had like counseling, we've had counseling sessions, but we've never had time with Jesus and with another person and we've never um, brought this stuff to Jesus. And th there's a few reasons why and I'll explain in a second. But you, what you need to hear before that is only Jesus can heal your soul. Like there's no amount of counseling, there's no amount of therapy, there's no amount of biblical counseling, all of that, unless Jesus comes and he touches that place of pain. So here, if this is you, um, here's what I think you've done. You have stuffed all your emotions in the suitcase of your soul and not just in the whole suitcase, there's a part of the suitcase that's been down there for so long and it, you've jammed it full. There's been a blocking spirit over it. And what you have, you've done is you've embraced a lie. Here's the two lies you've embraced. So if this is you, you'll be like, yep, this is for me. The two lies you've embraced is no one cares about that or you. And number two, no one will nurture you in your pain. You're afraid to go into the pain because you believe no one will nurture you. Uh, and deep down, you've said, I'm mad at God because you think he should have done something about it. And I just wanna point out a few things. Number one, God is a tender father. Like he's really patient. He's not gonna force himself on you. You actually have to choose to let him in. If, 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 you, have, if, you, if you actually have shut off any, any letting him in because of how painful or hurtful it was and you haven't given him access, you won't be able to feel his love for you. And so what you need to do is you need to find a trusted friend 
Um, and you need to say, I'm ready to give Jesus access. Will you, will you be present and pray with me? And, and you invite the Holy Spirit and just begin to say, Jesus, will you take this? And the only way you'll be actually be able to be healed and hear the voice of God is if you actually um, can bless your dad. So you have to come to a place with God's presence um, where, where it'll be really painful, but he'll be there and you can forgive him and you can trust the Holy Spirit. Your friend will be there. And so you have to call him up and say, I'm gonna do what James told me to do. And I, I need to get this out. I need to get this out. I know I don't feel the Father's love and I know why. But let me say this to you. What comes up when you're gonna do that might be anger, not for all of you, but anger. And what happened, the reason you're angry is you, had a, you allowed bad theology around God's sovereignty, which is a good theology, but you applied it in a way uh, that you felt like he should have done something and he didn't. Um, now, let me say a few things on that, okay? God never uh, promises we won't go through a lot of pain and hurt. He's given us free will and sovereignty. They're both mysterious. And he never tells Job or answers the why question, okay? God is in control. People are free, and that's a mystery, but here's what he says. His thoughts and his ways are higher and above ours, Isaiah 5 says. And in Genesis 18, he never does anything wrong, meaning it wasn't him that did that to you. Um, he never does evil, James says. And so here's the key. Why am I saying all that? I know there's more on suffering and that's not the time for this, but here's what I know. Uh, we're gonna go into a time of prayer and of silence. And, I, and you need to, if this is you, what you need to do is you need to, you need to surrender and give up your right to be angry at him. Now, let me explain this. You have every right to do what the psalmist did. The psalmist was like, where were you? You have abandoned me. You have, you have my tears are my food night and day. You have, you have dislayed me. So the psalmist has the freedom to be emotional with God. You have to have the freedom to be emotional with God. What the psalmist never does is he never stays there. Just like what you read in Ephesians, if you have unforgiveness in your heart and you, and you never let that out, you will give a foothold for the devil. And so some of us have had a block between God as our father because we have this unbelief and unprocessed frustration with what happened with our father or some kind of traumatic event in our life. And we've blamed God and we're mad at him and he should have been there. And you, you, what, you, you'll never be free. You'll, you'll go to heaven, you're loved. Like he's adopted you, whether you're, you're his son and daughter. You'll go to heaven, his soul, you're okay, but you'll never be free here until you surrender your right to be angry with him. You can tell him again, this is how it made me feel, but you can't hold on to it. You have to surrender your right. You need to commit yourself to trusting him. You need to look at the cross and go, okay, that really happened for me. Like he's really good. He really died. All of it was paid, all of the shame, all the stuff that I felt unloved, it was all paid. I know he loves me. So with the cross of Christ, you have to rise above. That blocking spirit wants to keep you there. He's not present anymore. And you need to ask or give permission to Jesus to go there in the suitcase of your soul. And then you need to receive that you are his loved son and daughter. And you actually have a seat with him and he loves sitting next to you. Okay.
Okay. I'm going to pray. You guys can play. And uh, then we'll respond. So we're going to spend a minute of silence and music will be playing. And we're just going to um, just share these things. Whatever the Lord brought up today, he did a lot, by the way. And you, can th- you should thank him for that. Some of you got free, like from that blocking spirit. You need to like, be like, whoa, just thank him. Praise him for that. He's such a good dad and he wants to set you free and there's more he wants to get out. Just give him access. Um, he loves you. Like it's so evident, so clear. Okay. And then we'll pray. We'll have a prayer team over there by the exit sign. If you got stuff, if, you, if you're hearing anything like blasphemous thoughts or demonic stuff, come talk to us. Um, but if you're just like, man, I've never been here before and I'm scared, that's okay. Tell him that and you can tell us that. It's okay to be afraid. Um, and then, uh, like not to stay there, but to give that to him. Just tell him that. So many times we think things and we never bring them up. Um, and then we'll take communion, which is the celebration that Jesus disarmed the rulers. He actually adopted you. He really redeemed you. You're a literal prince or princess in the heavenly realm. You'll get to heaven and be like, whoa, if I just knew this status, man, I would have accessed a lot more. I wasted my life for stupid pursuits when I could be a child of the king with authority and love, like, So don't waste your life. God's gonna do something at the shore and he wants you to be fully armored in sonship and daughtership of the king. And uh, so yeah, that's what communion is about. So do that. And then I'll close our time. I have have an announcement, a few things I gotta share. So will you rise now and, and just spend a minute with the Lord and just give him stuff.